Good evening, Steeler fans. Welcome to another Wednesday night. And with that, a return of Know Your Enemy, the podcast from behind the steel curtain that looks at who the Steelers are facing this week. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. With me, as always, Shannon White. Shannon, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Just good to be here. And I was just telling you before the show, you look at snazzy. Thank you very much. It's it's nice been a while. I was, a little up. Yeah. I was getting a little scruffy. Yeah. For those of you who are listening <laughs> on the podcast, you can't see it. If you're here on YouTube. You can see that my mostly bald head is now also more clean cut. Ouch. I just kicked over a bottle. That was great. Um, <laughs> show's getting off to a great start here. Anyways, we are flying. Well, we're not flying solo. We're flying, flying, flying duo tonight. We're, the dynamic duo is flying without a guest tonight. Uh, we tried to get you a guest, talk about the Miami Dolphins, but apparently they're not interested. Dolphins have, I guess, better things to do than to come on here and talk to us. Uh, so we're flying solo here. Shannon, let's start off the show. The story of the Dolphins season so far has been Tuatunga Vailoa. They were undefeated when he was playing hurt and when since he's been hurt not so much uh is is Tua Tunga Vailoa like I, I said this beforehand but is he on that TJ Watt level uh where for Miami where he is just so integral to what they do that it's just going to be like this like when he's healthy they can win when he's not anyone can beat him I think that's more common with a starting quarterback uh, than it is with an outside linebacker or edge guy like what, but uh, Tua is, you know, I'm going to not say his last name very often, so I don't butcher it, but he, you know, he's really showed this year that if you give him weapons, which they did with, you know, Waddle and with Hill and uh, Gizeki, uh, I can't say his last name either. Uh, the tight end, Mike, Gillespie, not Gillespie. They they have a lot of weapons. And um with with him there leading that charge, uh, you know, those those two receivers have been dynamic mm-hmm. and, and big play guys. And you know, you think about Hill, you know, that's his end, but I didn't realize that Waddle was such a explosive big play threat as well. So um they've really just created havoc. Well, when he's out. You know, Bridgewater is a different type of quarterback altogether. And then Thompson is a rookie. So uh, I was actually kind of hoping that that he, you know, just to be on the safe side, they keep him out one more game so he would miss this game. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I am happy that he's doing well. Don't get me wrong. But uh, he, he's going to make that a much, much tougher game. Um, then I, I would much rather face Bridgewater than him. Yeah, yeah, and, and Bridgewater actually was doing was doing better. Skylar Thompson, man, he he was struggling something mightily, but even Bridgewater wasn't mm-hmm. putting up what Tua was. One of the things that stood out to me on offense when I was looking through the stats, and I just went through and looked at what people did with Tua, what they did without Tua, trying to see if there was anything going on there. Tua played about half the season, roughly, mm-hmm. right, right around there. Uh, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. When on passes from from Tua are very close in yardage, very close. They had like three hundred and seventy and like mm-hmm. three hundred and sixty yards, right? 
Mm-hmm. So right there, right with each other. Tua goes down. And since then, Tyreek Hill has had double the yards of Jalen Waddle. And so you can, like, just looking at, like, our quarterback situation where you have, uh, when Mitch Trubisky is in, George Pickens does literally nothing mm-hmm. on the offense. He's like, you don't have to worry about him. And then when Kenny Pickett is in, he, he wasn't being, getting the ball to chase Claypool very often. Like, you had games like that where you're just like, it's easier to, to defend this because these this quarterback and this wide receiver are not working. Mm-hmm. It's not working. Uh, I think that explains a lot. But looking at that and looking at their win-losses, looking at how their offense kind of stagnated when they became very much more reliant on Tyreek Hill, made me think about the Steelers' offense under Mitch Trubisky. And the Steelers' offense, even, even a little bit with Kenny Pickett, although we saw that last game, he was starting to, to get the ball to chase more. Uh, but really, you know, how, how important is it to have a quarterback, either if you're the Dolphins or even the Steelers here, that uses all the receivers and, and can build chemistry with all of his targets? Well, like you said, it, it doesn't make sense. Uh, you know, in the Dolphins' case, too, is probably – with Hill's speed and quickness, you know, he gets open, you know, quite a bit, just like mm-hmm. uh, Deontay Johnson does. Those guys are always going to look open, so they're going to receive the line share of the passes, uh, you know, when they're the first or second option. It's the Claypool – for Claypool and Pickens for the Steelers, they need to be schemed uh, open more, in my opinion. Uh, I, we've talked before – uh, do not like how Canada's been using Claypool. Claypool is like a dynamic tight end with his size and his power. Uh, he's faster than most tight ends, obviously, but he doesn't always play to that speed. But he does. He is easily the best the stores have at running after the catch. And and there was a couple of times against the uh, Buccaneers that he caught the ball and then trucked a couple of guys and picked up extra yardage. You know, the, I love to see that. And it's something that if they will use him more, which we thought they were going to out of the slot, uh, and, and across the middle, he can do that. And But I, I don't. I know you saw the same thing. The, the Steelers started a game with Pickett with those scripted drive. And it was very efficient. It was They was had a good rhythm. They went down and scored. Then they got the lead, and then everything else for the rest of the first half was back to that same – it looks so much like the you know all the other games have looked. Uh, they they get the lead, they get conservative. It's like Pickett wasn't trying to drive the ball down the field. It was a lot of them five yard out passes, you know, and uh, ineffective running game, which they you know they're still struggling there. But um, I thought that when Trubisky got to come in or had to come in, you know, no more first round draft pick looking over his shoulder. It was his game. To, to bring home, and he played much differently. I mean, he still, you know, he still had plays. He didn't read the field good. Uh, like on one of his sacks, you know, he, you know, he just kind of turtled after the first couple options wasn't open. Um, but then it just seemed like on other plays, he used his mobility. He got clear throwing lanes and sight lines because when he can see, you know, what he's doing, he's not really great in anticipation, but when he can see it, develop he can be effective because he's got a good arm um so i was really happy for him he showed a lot of professionalism um but they really 
they're going to have to get on the same page at some point. I don't know if that will come when they stick with the guy for a while and, and they can um, uh, develop a rapport with all the receivers. Cause as you said, they're limiting themselves mm-hmm. by not utilizing all the receivers or the whole field. Cause again, they're still not attacking the middle of the field like they need to. But if Friermuth comes back, uh, Maybe this week, Firemuth and Claypool could really work the middle and the down the saves, and hopefully the Steelers will use them. I I have to agree with you. The opening drive uh, of Week Six against Tampa Bay looked a lot like uh, the the way the defense was covering plays and the way Kenny Pickett was reading the play. Mm-hmm. It was like they saw what Tampa Bay was going to do in certain circumstances. Like they they were looking at film, saw it, and Canada was like, you know what, I know how to exploit this, which is something we saw in college. He would sometimes face a team that had like a very good defense, but they had some tells, they had some tendencies, and he would just absolutely destroy them. And he'd go and face other teams, and just his offense wouldn't do much at all, right? When he had that advantage, he could really do it. And he had that there. It, it is what it looked like, right, on the first drive. It looked very much like, a game where he picked something out that was a flaw in the Tampa Bay defense and was attacking different ways. Gave the ball out of the field, they score a touchdown. And I agree with you. They went back to that. Well, just don't force any turnover. Just don't give mm-hmm. them any turnovers. Take it easy, you know. And that doesn't work. And it really doesn't work with Mitch Trubisky. And we saw Trubisky come in there and start throwing the ball around. Really just start throwing the ball around. And frankly, what started it, you look at some of Trubisky's first throws downfield, they're mistakes. There's defensive mistakes. There's one that uh, Devin White, who's who's having a phenomenal season, he gets he's uh, lined up inside. He heads right outside and overlaps with a safety, uh, like almost like he thought they were going to be in a cover four set, mm-hmm. and they were in a cover three set, and he needed to be inside. You know, it was it was weird, and he just left it wide open for Chase Claypool. Uh, they did. They did it again. They messed up with the big Connor Hayward play. But Mitch Trubisky came in. There were a few plays like that where they really got him going, and he looked like a player who wasn't playing it safe, who was willing to actually take throws. But one of the things I've noticed with this offense, and I don't know if it's Matt Canada's offense because it wasn't this way always with Ben Roethlisberger. There was a lot more stuff going on with Ben Roethlisberger was in charge of this was was throwing the ball here. But with Mitch Trubisky and, and Kenny Pickett, like some like 85% of these passes are to spot routes mm-hmm. where like your receiver is going to go to a place, stop, and then turn and look for the ball, right? And I don't know if that's Matt Canada's offense because that's a college thing, right? That is a college thing. But also, that's something you do when your quarterback isn't in a rhythm or isn't able to anticipate. And Mitch Trubisky isn't good at it. And Kenny Pickett is a rookie. Timing isn't, you know, NFL timing is, it takes time. That's why rookies typically struggle their first year. And then the second year, you start to see who they really are because they start to feel that timing better. But they're doing so many of these spot routes. And it, it, it's just, it doesn't work well. Like, it, it just doesn't create yards after catch. It doesn't create much. And you're just relying on execution over and over and over again. And, and all it takes is one mistake. You know, for that drive to just sign of stall out, uh, I, yeah. So I, I'm just agreeing with you, with with you, with you, Shannon. There, uh, 
Do you think there's much chance they get out of that kind of rut and really get something going here maybe before the bye week? Because I know the bye week is always a big deal for the Steelers with how their rookies perform and, and what they ask rookies to do. Do you think we see that before the bye week, or are we going to have to survive with what we've got and hope that after the bye week, you know, TJ Watt returns and maybe they unlock, you know, unleash Kenny Pickett a little bit more? Well, you know, the hope to me is being Kenny Pickett uh, because of his, you know, as you've seen, man, when he's, that ball comes out so crisp, uh, he's so accurate. He hits guys where they can do something with the, after the catch. And um, I think that if they, if Canada will kind of loosen the reins a little bit there, uh, I, I fear that they're preaching to Pickett the same thing they were preaching to Trubisky and that ball security, protect, you know, protect the ball. Cause that's just such an emphasis because Tom mentions at every press conference, Oh yeah, you know, that turnover margin. And when they lose, he's like, well, we turned it over three times and, you know, and, but yeah, that's just the way the NFL is now. If you watch, there'll be some really good games. The first, the first two drives of the Buffalo Kansas city game ended in turnovers in the red zone, but nobody batted an eye because they know they're going to score. You know, it was just good defensive plays and, and, you know, they had to, to uh, figure out some things that the, the defenses were doing to them, but it wasn't like it is the stores make it have a turnover and it's like, you know, the end of the world, like, you know, oh gosh. And we give up a touchdown, you know, that's like two touchdowns for a normal team because they just haven't found any offensive rhythm. Yeah. But I think that Pickett, if he can, you know, be healthy and be the quarterback and, and keep getting these first team reps, keep getting experience during each game, uh, and they loosen the reins a little bit, there's going to be mistakes. But this team is easily capable of scoring 21, 28 points a game. They've got too much talent mm-hmm. to not. The, the way they use them sometimes is what's so frustrating. Like they ran, they kept trying to run Harris outside zone. And he's getting tackled behind the line of scrimmage. Then they bring Warren in and run him between the tackles. And, you know, it's obvious that Warren is more effective on them outside zone runs. You know, if you watch the Cowboys, they use Ezekiel Elliott mostly inside. Mm-hmm. And then they'll they'll bring in Pollard and use him because of his speed and quickness in a different way to keep, you know. I, mean, I ain't saying that you can't run Warren inside. But it's like the Steelers keep doing everything backwards. Like thinking, well, if we do this, we're going to surprise them because they're expecting that. Well, sometimes just see what you could do if you actually use the talent you have in the way that best fits that talent. Mm-hmm. And and um, so, you know, they keep talking about, you know, Calvin Austin the third, And they're like, well, he missed the preseason. And he's, you know, been on our And Kendra's like, I don't know how I'm going to use him. What do you mean you don't know how you're going to use him? That kind of speed? You know, they did, I think, two sweeps to Deontay Johnson. Mm-hmm. And and that is not Deontay Johnson's strength. No. That's Claypool's strength. Mm-hmm. Even Pickett's more than Johnson. Johnson, you know, he's a slight build guy. When he gets touched, he goes down. You know, you could do those plays with Calvin Austin the third. You could throw him some kind of screen. You could th- Because he's the type of guy, you know – if he makes the guy miss, he can go the distance. Yep. And and it just concerned me. I don't know if you heard Canada say that. He's like, I don't know how we're going to use him. I'm like, seriously? 
this team needs splash plays. It needs chuck plays. You know, that gets them going. It gets them excited. They had a few, you know, on Sunday, and those were huge plays in the game. And, and I, I mean, I don't see how they can't not try to at least work Calvin Austin the third in there. Yeah. Yeah, you got, you've got to try something. Now, Steven Sims this week is on the – he didn't practice yet, uh, so he's on the injury. Hamstring, wasn't it? What? I think Ham- it's hamstring, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's – we don't know if he's going to play this week. You're going to need someone back there. Mm-hmm. You're going back to Gunner? I mean, uh. <laughs> I, think, I think that's played out, really. Yeah. I think to me that's yeah. played out. Uh, I want to I quick kind of switch gears and go to the – talk about the Miami defense a little bit. They do have someone that should be familiar to Steeler fans, Melvin Ingram. Mm-hmm. Is, uh, he's over there playing for the Miami Dolphins. He was a defensive player of the month, the first month of the season, even though <laughs> Shannon, Shannon, I'm going to go right to you there. I saw that look. Um, <laughs> Shannon, what are your thoughts on Melvin Ingram as the player of the month for the first month of the NFL season? It was because of Miami's record and how, yeah. how good they looked. And he, in those games, he made uh, a couple of big plays. Um, and, you know, high-profile plays. But, you know, there were so many guys on the Steelers. If, you know, Watt had a wonderful week one, if he hadn't got injured. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then Heisman had three and a half sacks. He was leading the NFL in sacks. And, you know, being constantly double-teamed and being the focus of everybody's pass protection, I was shocked when it went to Ingram. I think he had yeah. two sacks. Yeah, and, and his big think, play was he—he he was the guy who got to the ball in the end zone for the touchdown. Yeah, yeah, and like, that was—he like, was the guy who got there. He didn't strip the ball. No. He, didn't do that. he just got there. Player of the month. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, there was a lot of guys I thought, and, and I thought Alex Highsmith should have been considered, uh, or oh, yeah. or Mika Fitzpatrick. He had a huge month. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so for it to go to Ingram, I was shocked. Yeah, I was too, and I, I saw it because. A lot of people saw that and assumed just immediately, like, whoa, he must be playing really good. You know, the Steelers made a huge mistake letting him go. Uh, I, I want to talk about this because this is something that drives me crazy, right? The first month of this season, Melvin Ingram was Defensive Player of the Month for the NFL, and people flipped out and said, look what the Steelers did. They could have had him, but they wouldn't play him. Mm-hmm. I want you to know through four games with the Steelers, Mel- Melvin Ingram – played more snaps than he did uh, in any four-week set with Kansas City last year Mm -hmm. and more than he played with Miami this year. Mm -hmm. He played more with the Steelers. The Steelers, it wasn't a case of them not playing him. They played him more than anyone else who's had him since is willing to play him. Mm -hmm. And he didn't have great numbers. He also didn't have great numbers anywhere else. In Miami, like you look at his numbers at Miami versus his numbers when he was here, they're about the same. Yeah. The difference is he fell on a ball in the end zone, and Miami has Tua Tagovailoa leading them to wins. Mm-hmm. That's that's really the difference there. Melvin Ingram is not that guy. I, he lost out to Alex Highsmith, and and for a reason. And Alex Highsmith is showing it this season. He's showing the Steelers were right when they said, "Yeah, you know what? Mm-hmm. You're we're going to start taking some of your snaps and giving them to this young kid." Because he's that good. If you watch Ingram, he reminds me of Javon Clowney. And yeah. the reason the reason why is that 
they're very flashy. They really show up. I mean, they're always making penetration, you know, and, and getting in the backfield or, or, or pursuing the quarterback around. And, but they don't finish plays. Yeah. They're, they're, they're always, you know, you see them. They're high, high visibility. You know, you notice them. But they're not always finishing the plays. Um, and But it, it when they do finish a few, then, you you know, it seems like it's you remember that. Mm-hmm. But like you said, you know, they keep saying, well, they didn't play Ingram. Yeah, they played him a lot, but without Watt. See, Watt was dealing with the groin injury, and then yep. Hasmith was dealing with the groin injury. And when it was – it was a couple of games where Stewart's were relying on Ingram to be the primary pass rusher, he disappeared. Yeah. He disappeared. So, you know, and, and when he was with the Chargers, he had somebody else on the other side mm-hmm. that made him look even better. He's always been that kind of guy. He's a complimentary pass rusher. He's not the primary pass rusher. Yep. And and I think because that he is flashy and flamboyant, he gets, you know, people get really excited when he does anything. Because like Clowney, you know, after he did that hit in college, he comes in the pros and, you know, and, and you, you look at him, you think this dude's a freak. He's But if you really look at him, he's a pedestrian. Yep. Yeah, he is. He his uh, In 2019, Bud Dupree was a better edge oh, defender yes. than, than Clowney mm-hmm. was. He don't, I don't think he fits quite in the Titans, but a very similar player. Bud Dupree mm-hmm. is a very similar player to Joe Davion Clowney, and I think the Steelers actually had the better one of those two. Joe Davion Clowney has oh, all I the think so. talent in the world. Yeah, He just doesn't he, – he, he doesn't have the technique to go with it. He doesn't have the form to go with the, the substance. There's um, no edge player that sets he, the edge better than Dupree. Yeah. I mean, there isn't. Uh, yeah, in the NFL, and and, uh, and then like I said, the pass rush, you know, he he's a power pass rusher, and he gets there a lot of times on hustle, and I'll but but he offers a good pass rush too. So to me, he he's much better than Clowney. All right, I want to go into their pass rush on the Miami Dolphins because we just talked about Melvin Ingram. Melvin Ingram is actually tied for first on the Miami Dolphins with two, mm. two sacks. Uh, he's tied with Brandon Jones' safety. I'm familiar with that name because I did a lot looking at, uh, I did a lot looking at, uh, what's his name? Uh, Brian Flores when he was in Miami and how he used Brandon Jones. They're still using that way. They're still blitzing him a good bit. There's, he's still doing that stuff. He has as many sacks as Melvin Ingram. Uh, they have a whole bunch of players with at least one sack. Mm-hmm. They have eight players on their team with between one and two sacks. Mm-hmm. Eight of them, but they don't have anyone with more than that. Mm-hmm. So that's that's an interesting thing to look at. They got the like almost everybody's gotten to the quarterback, but none of them get there reliably, right? Uh, two safeties are on that list: Javon Holland and Brandon Jones. Each have you know what, uh, Javon Holland has one and a half. Brandon Jones has two sacks. So they do still blitz a lot with their safeties. You still do see that more than like the Steelers. Uh, Terrell Edmonds, I think, got a sack at one point because the quarterback was scrambling. That might have been last year. Like, but that's that's it. That's all you yeah. see. Uh obviously Minka Fitzpatrick was close. Uh he had the only quarterback hit against Buffalo. But they they we're seeing rare. a bit of that with the Steelers. Yeah. Miami still does a lot of it. Mm. So you're gonna see safety blitzes. You're gonna see a lot of defensive linemen rotating in and out. A lot of different linebackers that don't quite they, they do they they don't quite fit positions so they're used in different ways. 
you see a lot of stuff with Miami that's kind of interesting. Uh, what are what are your thoughts, Shannon, on this Miami Dolphins defense and how they do it there? Well, it's you know we've talked about star power versus scheme driven. Miami yeah. scheme driven. They really don't have. Uh, I guess Wilkins, you know, their defensive lineman. He's a guy, mm-hmm. Christian Wilkins. I think he's a guy that you, you know, you'd like to have. Yeah. But you know, there's not a lot of guys on their defense. You're like, oh man. We'd like to have him on on the Steelers' defense. Uh, they don't have a, a high-profile stars, kind of like Buffalo didn't last year. But their defense, to me, this year is actually taking a step back uh, yeah. without Brian Flores. They, they've given up a lot of points. Some of these games they won there at the beginning were shootouts, and, and they just outscored the other team because of Tua and Hill and Waddle and – you know, they, they was putting up 30, some 40 points and they, to win. Um, and then you see these last few games, they haven't been able to do that without that explosive offense. So hopefully if Tua, you know, is, is a little rusty and, and the, uh, the Steelers could come out with a, a overall team defensive effort like they had last week, um, hopefully the Steelers will be able to exploit that defense a little bit. Um, is it uh, Howard? Is their cornerback their top corner? Yeah, I think it's Xavier Howard. Yeah, um, you know he he'll be matched up on Deontay, I'm sure. So I think that they're really going to want to try to work Claypool and Pickens and Firemuth this week. Uh, and if, and if Pickens Pickett can play, uh, you know, which you know looks like he may because he had a full practice today. Um, it, it might be an opportunity for him to to finally get us some rhythm and, and drive the ball a little bit more down the field. Because, you know, you got to think about it. He's been in there against uh, a Jets defense that looks better than what people thought when you look at what they've done since they played the Steelers. Mm-hmm. Then they play the Buffalo defense that, you know, they made uh, Mahomes look, you know, mortal. They, they you know, he it wasn't explosive against Buffalo. Nobody is. And then the Buccaneers have a good defense, especially pass defense. So um, this might be the best opportunity for Pickett this week against Miami's defense. Yeah, I do want to point out on uh, – you talk about Christian Wilkins. He did not practice Wednesday. They listed him as a hand injury. Uh, so that's that's usually something a defensive lineman comes back from. If they have to, they'll wrap that thing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'll most likely be out there. Uh, and also on the, that, that defensive front, Emmanuel Ogba did not practice participate on Wednesday with a back injury. So that, that is a hopeful sign because the Steelers, one of the Steelers' things with the offensive lines, the offensive line has played really well, except when it comes to really, really good defensive linemen. Those mm-hmm. really top-line defensive tackles bullied them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw that even last week who, with uh, Kevin Dotson. Uh, when he was matched up with Vita Vea, just getting absolutely destroyed so many times. Like he he was getting the, some of those mismatches, those, those matchups were not going his way. Uh, we can lament that because that was exactly what Kevin Dotson looked like. He looked like that defense offensive lineman who you put him against somebody and just let him take that guy out of the mm-hmm. game. Yeah. Right. And he's not that guy this year. Not at all that guy right now. Uh, hopefully he finds that again, gets back mm-hmm. to that level because. Because that was nice. That was a nice thing to see, and and the, the, these, this offensive line doesn't have that right now. Mm-hmm. So if Wilkins is limited or out for this game, that would be a huge 
uh, blow to Miami because that would take away one of the big weaknesses of the Steelers' offensive line in this game is dealing with a high-end defensive lineman. Uh, how, how do you? How does your view change this season so far on the Steelers' offensive line, Shannon? Well, I'm very happy with uh, you know James Daniels and uh, with Mason Cole. I, I think that they've been two excellent additions. Cole is solid. Yeah, you know, he's not spectacular, but he's been very solid. He's fundamentally sound. He's a good leader. Um, that that bad, you know, that bad sna- uh, shotgun snap, which could have been disastrous in the fourth uh, last Sunday, and that's like the first bad snap I can remember. And I, I don't know what happened. You know, that can happen to anybody. But I didn't understand why they was in the shotgun to begin with, because if I remember, it was second and two. And you're trying to run that clock. I'm like, this has got to be a run, a power run, you know, somewhere inside with Harris, you know, to try to pick that, you know, you want to get that another first down and extend that. And he's in the shotgun. And I was just shocked. I I thought if they would have, if Trubisky would not have been able to fall on that, I would still be screaming, why were you in the shotgun in that situation? But again, uh, the, (laughs) I think Daniels is getting better each week. Mm-hmm. He's he's playing like I thought he could play. He's been really solid. Uh, he moves so well. He's he's really a good fit for this scheme. So is Cole. Um, and and I think you know people was down on Okafor after last game, but I didn't see it. Now somebody told me that if you pay attention, the quarterbacks are always having to go roll to their left because he's allowing some pressure from his side. I am. I haven't seen it that way. I mean, yeah, he's given a little ground, or you know, swinging him around wide. But I think it's because you see the pressure coming from that side, and that might be why guys, you know, the quarterbacks are kind of going to the left side. But I think the the left side, the right side of the line has been much stronger. The issue's been on the left side because I haven't seen the progress out of more that I was hoping to see, and yeah. Dodson just. I said this week in an article that I'm wondering if because Kendrick Green struggled so badly last year as a rookie, and it just affected everybody on that line. Trey Turner was an older veteran who was on the downside of his career. And, you know, then you have Kevin Dotson there at left guard. We've talked about it before. I still wonder if left guard is his best position. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I still wonder if he wouldn't be better off at right guard because James Daniels has played all three interior positions at a high level with the Bears. And I don't think that it would have been a crazy idea to try him a left guard, knowing how badly that Dotson had struggled. I said this, I think the reason the Steelers tried Kendrick Green like they did at, uh, it said he was in competition with Kevin Dotson is because Green's mobility is an excellent fit for this blocking scheme. Dodson's is not. Yeah. And I think that was why they did it for two reasons. One, to try green. Two, to motivate Dodson. And it didn't work, and it was a disaster. So now I think Dodson's behind. But as you said, he's a power guy. He should not have trouble with a power player like Vita. But he did. And that's concerning. And and I'm wondering if if maybe his future, if he has one, is going to be a right guard. So I, I think there's been progress. 
uh, and, and especially a pass protection. Um, and I, I think that it's it's going to come down to that left side of the line, you know, picking up the slack because they're they're not performing up to par right now. All right, well we're we're going to take a sh- real quick break here. Uh, if you're if you're on YouTube, just we'll we'll do it very quickly. If you're on uh, listening to us on podcast, we're going to take a little commercial break. So we'll be right back. Stay tuned. And here's a message from our current sponsor. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, welcome back, Steeler fans. Welcome back to Know Your Enemy here with Jeffrey Benedict and Shannon White. Uh, we're talking the Steelers, Dolphins. And I want to, I want to ask you this, Shannon. Keys for this game for the Steelers defense. Give me, give me a couple keys for the Steelers' defense for the Steelers to win this game. I think it's, you know, I don't fear Miami's running game. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's something that they do to – it's almost like a um, – they throw it in there to, to keep the defense as honest, but you know what they want to do, and that's attack the field, down the field with Hill and Waddle. And if the Steelers could, you know, they're going to have to keep that safety protection deep. This would have been a wonderful game to get Kazee back, um, to try that three uh, safety sets that they were talking about using this year because Kazee can play the slot, uh, but he's really good in center field. And let Fitzpatrick try to bait Tui into something because he can – you can bait him. and. You know, if you he doesn't like to throw the ball over 50 yards. I don't know if you've seen a couple of his interceptions this year, is where Hill was out there and he had to give it everything he had, you know, to try to get that ball 50, 60 yards deep to hit Hill and he underthrew him. So the Steelers kind of know that they can play 50 yards in uh, and keep stuff in front of them. Uh, So I think the key will be if they don't let Hill and Waddle have explosive afternoons. They're going to get theirs, but nothing, you know, huge after the catch, let's say. Um, I think they can definitely slow down Miami and, and stay in the game. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you. The run game, like a lot of a lot of teams, quarterbacks get involved in the run game. Tua is not a runner. Uh, people, I, I have, the number of times I've heard him referred to as an athletic quarterback by like just casual fans, people on Twitter. And it's like, yeah, he doesn't run the ball. And, and he has like one yard rushing this season. Uh, and in previous years, he averaged like 10 rushing yards a game. That's not a running quarterback. That's not someone who's a threat to run. Miami's run game is not anything to worry about or, or stress about at least. Uh, Raheem Mostert is a good back, but he's not special. They're not a great running team. Mm-hmm. It really comes down to like take away Tyree Kill. Mm-hmm. And then also still, you know, contain Jalen Waddle. Uh, looking at the Steelers' injury report, 
for this game. Those uh, cornerbacks are back playing limited. Uh, Akella Witherspoon, obviously, with a hamstring still. Uh, excuse me. He was a limited participant Wednesday. Cam Sutton was a limited participant on Wednesday. And uh, who was the other cornerback? Levi Wallace was a full participant. So that's that's promising. Minka Fitzpatrick limited. That looks right now like those guys are going to be back. Uh, but it doesn't know. We don't know if they're going to be a hundred percent. If you're not a hundred percent, you're facing Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. You could be in trouble. Shannon, how confident are you that the Steelers can do? You know, like what they've done in the past, because in the past they've actually shut down Tyree Kill. Mm-hmm. They did their very first game facing Patrick Mahomes back there in uh, was it 2018? They absolutely shut down Tyree Kill. And you could tell they were focusing on doing that. And then Patrick Mahomes just scrambled around and threw to uh, <laughs> Travis Kelsey all day because they yeah. couldn't cover him with, with Vince Williams and John Bostick. But uh, but do you do you think the Steelers with this secondary situation can can sh- can limit Tyree Kill uh, without giving up literally everything else? Yeah, I'm I'm always concerned about the middle of the field, and the Steelers surprised the Buccaneers with that three inside linebacker nickel set they was using and, and, and using Spillane as a box safety or, uh, you know, a nickel linebacker. I mean, you know, and if, if he gets matched up with Waddle or Hill at any point, I mean, it, he's just going to, like I said, this is, they're not even going to be able to keep up with him in a trail position. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, that's very dangerous to, you know, miss tackle, or uh, a guy slip or get out of position and it's seven. So I'm more concerned with the middle of the field. And that's why I said, I'd love to see the, the three safety look, but I don't know if there's any talk of bringing, of activating Kazee or not, but uh, you know, there's always a silver lining. And I think the, the fact that Jackson and Pierre played so well last week, you know, they were just solid. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they were physical. They tackled the ball well. Um, they were in, you know, they weren't playing tight man, but they they were trying to pick up in man. And and uh, I was, you know, I was impressed that maybe, and hopefully the stores now realize that maybe they go five deep at corner and will maybe try to use, because, you know, I think Jackson's probably the fastest corner the Steelers have outside of Witherspoon, they were the two fastest guys. And it, it would be, it seems like it'd be a good idea to get Jackson to play this week because that's going to be Miami's biggest advantage is the speed of receivers. So um, I'm, I'm hoping that, that they can kind of, you know, do a good job this week again in the middle of the field. Bush seemed like he had one of his best games in, in a long, long time. And he was, he seemed like he was flowing to the ball he wasn't hesitating. And, you know, that's what he is. He's a coverage guy. He's a yeah. he's a move movement linebacker. And and when he does like he did Sunday, he could really help him, him and Jack's in the middle of the field. Spillane, I don't think it's a good matchup this week. Yeah, I don't think so either. I know we don't usually bring up comments from the live chat very often, but Tyler W. brings up something that I absolutely wanted to talk about here. When he says, if Flores doesn't know where Tua is weak, nobody knows. We've got <laughs> to surprise him again. 
what kind of factor do we do this? Do you okay? Let me reword this. Do the Steelers need Brian Flores to be a factor and show up this week and give him a game plan and say, hey, no, I know how to rattle to, I know how to how to get in this head, I know how to mess with his reads, I know this offense, I know what they're trying to do, and I know this quarterback. Uh, do we need Brian Flores to step up and kind of have that insider information and and help the Steelers? you know, have an advantage this week? I think that that it's hard to say that, that Flores is going to be a big advantage because this is a really different Miami team, you know, just from yeah. the addition of Hill alone. Yeah. And um, I, I would like to think that he could give them some insights that they can use, but I'm not hanging my hat on it that that's going to be the difference in a victory or uh, because again, there's some things that Flores like to do that the Steelers are just, their personnel is not capable of doing. Yeah. And uh, because of that, I think it's limited his effectiveness this year. I think that there's things they would like to do, you know, that, that, that he's really uh, specialized in that they just don't have the personnel to run. So, you know, there might be a, a player two here that, not just against Tua, but against the defense, which he knows very well that, that he yeah. might, you know, cause he knows their personnel, which is more similar than the offense in a lot of ways, because they've had more changes there. So um, he might be able to offer them some insights on how to attack the defense, which might actually be more beneficial than, than Tua, because I think Tua is kind of coming into his own a little bit with Hill coming on and having that uh, confidence. Because, you know, Tua looks much better this year when he was healthy yeah. than he ever did in the past. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely has. Uh, any any other any other factors you're really looking for this game, Shannon, where you're looking at and saying this is the this is a big story for this game? I each week I'm I'm wanting to see improvement. As I've said before, I'm not as much worried about the wins and losses, you want to win every game. But I but I want to see them start to improve because you have you have to decide is Pickett the guy or not. There is this year, that's the main thing, is is he potentially your next franchise quarterback? If he is, you got him without giving up the farm. I mean, you look at Denver, you look at Cleveland, mm-hmm. there's other teams. that They went all in to get these veterans. If it works, they're going to look like geniuses. If it don't, they set themselves back for three or four years minimum because of how much they give up to get them. If Pickett is the answer, then the Steelers can really look and and see what they need going into free agency into the next draft cycle and take advantage of that quarterback on that rookie contract. It seems like all these teams that show up out of nowhere – that's what they have. I've already heard people talk about, well, if uh, Addison comes into the draft, the Steelers would have to take him because look how that worked for Burrow and Chase. You mm-hmm. know, but there's there's no set way to to build a championship team. Uh, you look how the Rams did it. They mortgaged the future for the present, and they won a championship. Now, they don't look as good this year, uh, but they won the championship. So, if you're going to gamble, you gamble big, and then if it if you win, it paid off. That'll never be the Steelers' style. 
I, as long as the Rooney's on them, you're never going to see that type of behavior out of the Steelers. So I, I'm this week I'm really wanting to see uh, if Pickett is completely healthy. I want to see, as you said, use, utilize all the receivers, uh, utilize the middle of the field with Claypool and Fryermuth, and I think that will help. If they also, if they use Harrison Warren correctly, uh, I think that you can start to see some sustainable offensive success this week, and that's what I'm really hoping to see. I want to ask you this real quick. The Steelers have this game against Miami next week against Philadelphia, and then they have the bye week. After the bye, Saints, Colts, Falcons, Panthers, Raiders, and then the AFC North matchups. Have we ever seen a schedule as unbalanced as the Steelers as far as the quality of teams faced before the bye week and the quality of teams they're looking at after the bye week where before the bye week, I mean, Tampa Bay is currently three and three because the Steelers beat them, but that's still a very talented team. Mm -hmm. Uh, The New York jets are four and two, like new England Patriots, the, the, the Buffalo bills, the Philadelphia Eagles. Have, Have you seen a run like this where a team just had this brutal of a schedule? And then after the bye week, Games just look winnable. I think it was a, a while back the Steelers, the first half of their season, you know, looked really like a cupcake. Mm-hmm. And then the second half looked really, really difficult. We talked about it. It was the opposite. It yeah. kind of flipped from this year. And it turned out that the first half of the schedule was tougher than they thought it was going to be because a lot of the teams were upstarts. And then the, a lot of the teams in the second part, which looked really daunting, had a lot of injuries. Mm-hmm. That, that you know, you just don't know. I mean, I, I thought the Philadelphia would be pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I didn't think they were going to be undefeated right now. Yeah. Uh, Miami, you thought, well, Hill, they got Hill, they got all that speed, but does Tua have the arm to take advantage of it? Um, And, you know, obviously that's been a real success. Until uh, he got hurt. Now you have to see how the rest of the year goes. But, you know, again, you knew eventually Tampa was going to, you know, Brady's going to get older. At some point, it's going to start to show up. No more Gronkowski. You know, they had some question marks there, and they've had a lot of injuries. The Steelers had winnable games. Mm-hmm. That's why I think that if they would have started Pickett, because in, you could see in the preseason that he was quicker, he anticipated better. He was more accurate. They they struggled so mightily in the first three games on offense that were all very winnable. Um, I think that they would have beat uh, the Jets, and mm-hmm. I believe they would have beat Cleveland. And then he'd be talking; it'd be it'd be a completely different look right now. But they did it the way they did it, and you can't go back. But. Um, I'm like you, if they get through these next two games, even if they, if they can win one of them and then go into the bye and hopefully get healthy, get some guys back, Watt coming back and, and some of these other guys healing up, um, you know, that second half of the season could be a lot of fun. Uh, but again, it's all about growth and, and seeing these young guys 
if it's a question of playing a veteran versus a young guy, if they're pretty equal, you play the young guy. You play the guy that can be with you two, three years into this rebuild, uh, especially not a veteran who's going to be gone after this year. If it's equal, of course, you know. So yeah. I, I think that's why it's important to keep that mindset because you can do both. You can win games. You can be competitive while you're rebuilding when you have as much talent as the Steelers have. I, I want to point out here before we get into our score predictions and our and we, we head towards the end of the show here that uh, the Steelers right now are one game back mm-hmm. in the division. One game. And in the second half of the season, they have two games against Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Right, They have two games against Baltimore. They get the Bengals again. This is a team that if they keep hanging in here, they get TJ Watt back. They win some of these games afterwards. And we know the difference in – you know, the the record when T.J. Watt plays, the Steelers just won their first game since 2017 when <laughs> T.J. Watt doesn't play. Um, this the the If we get, you know, we, oh, my goodness. We're, I, sorry, there's stuff going on in the background here. Completely mm. blew, blew me off track. But the Steelers are two and four, but they're one game out. We mm. could still push to win this division – I also want to add in that the Steelers right now have the worst point differential in the NFL. Mm-hmm. The worst at minus 49. Like, and this team doesn't seem like they're that far off from being a playoff contender. Mm-hmm. Right? It just doesn't like you're just like if if we can hold the fort down till TJ Watt comes back, a little improvement here, a little improvement here. You know, you've got several ifs here. But you don't need all of them to come true for this team to be a playoff contender. You'd need a lot more for them to be a serious threat when they get to the playoffs. But this team is really like kind of a a weird situation where you can look at a team that is the worst point differential in the league and say, yeah, but you know what? You know, we're not that far off from a playoff push here. That is a really, that's a really crazy thing to me. Uh, I just... I don't know what to think about that. It's kind of weird because at some point I'm like, you know, the, the Steelers, maybe this is a fraud thing that we're like, we, we're wishing, we're putting on our black and gold glasses, you know, we're crossing all our fingers. And if we squint really hard, we can see this team winning games and 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 coming back and being something this season. Or if it's really just, you know, bad luck, injuries, games going wrong, but we're really not that far off. Do you, do you think it's a mirage standard or do you think this team could actually be make a push for the playoffs here this season. Well, the, the vision looks like it's going to be, uh, there's no, you know, exemplary teams in the division right now. Yeah. So it's, it's there. Uh, a lot of it will depend on the playing these young guys, how they, uh, progress. Uh, you know, when you're playing all these close games and then you get beat 38 to three, you're going to be really bad on the point differential. You know, yeah. so that kind of skews a lot of these numbers because they haven't really been blown out. They were in every game. Like I said, they could have easily won all of them besides that Buffalo game. Mm-hmm. If they would have just had some offense uh, or TJ White, he would have made, uh, he's worth so many points every game, as we know. My only thing is, is I don't want them to have, to lose sight of the rebuilding mentality because just sneaking into the playoffs is what they've been doing for the last decade. That's true. 
And now those years there, they were a championship team in 2017, guys. I yeah. mean, if it wasn't for that terrible Jesse James overturn and, and the injuries in the playoffs, and, you know, there's been times that they were that close and they had bad luck. And injuries do that to every team. And remember, there's only one team that wins it every year. So, but here lately, in the last four or five years, they have not been a contender, yeah. not a true contender. And I don't think this team is. I think they've got too many holes, mm-hmm. but I think they're close. But why not try to make the playoffs? Why not try to, you know, that experience for the young guys, I said this last year, you knew they weren't going to beat the Chiefs. But yeah. just having that experience is something to build on for a lot of the young players. I, I didn't. I don't think they got the benefit out of it. I was hoping they was going to get out of it, but it was because you know again you knew you, Ben was retired and, and everything was going to be new. So this is pretty much a new team. But I would like to see them have that fight where the games mean a little bit more late in the season. Yeah. And they and these young guys can grow from that experience. And maybe it will be another playoff time if they get a chance. You know to have another playoff game. Uh, so that's all positive if that works out that way. Um, but again, I, I'm, I want to see growth so that we can feel like, Hey, going into next year, a player here, a player there, and this team can be a true contender again. Okay. I love it, Shannon. All right. Let, before we go, uh, we need to give our predictions, uh, for this game, Shannon, what, do you, what what's your final score prediction here? Well, I think that Tua will have some rest. Uh, I don't know if he'll be gun shy or not, but I think the Steelers do need to try to, uh, you know, disrupt him, make him move around, make him uncomfortable. Um, I think that I'm, I feel encouraged by what we saw last week, by the middle linebacker play that we saw that we haven't seen. Um, you know, it's starting to look a little better each week. Hopefully, Larry Ogunjobi, he played the best game he's ever played for the Steelers easily. Uh, he was such a disruptor, and I think he could do that again this week against Miami if he's healthy enough to play. I'm not sure if he's going to be able to. But yeah, hopefully he is. Um, I think that it's going to be uh, more of a low-scoring game because I think, you know, it's going to be a lot of – they're going to try not to give up the big plays that Miami relies on so much and make them drive and make them kick field goals. Uh, hopefully they can do that. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go out there on a limb. I've been picking against them, but I'm seeing something along the lines of a 24, 21 Steelers uh, uh, in this game. All right, Shannon, picking the Steelers to win this one. I can't go that far. Uh, I think Tua's return spells doom for the Steelers here. I think the secondary is still too banged up to really run with them. Uh, you're you're going to lean heavily on a guy like Terrell Edmonds when they start putting Tyreek Hill in the slot. Uh, you're going to see guys like a guy like Terrell Edmonds have to run with him a lot because I don't think anyone else in that secondary can right now. Hmm. I really don't. Uh so I, I think this game has the earmarks of a problem game. If it wasn't for Tua, I would have picked the Steelers to win this simply because I know the Steelers can shut down Tyreek Hill. But Tua has shown that when Tyreek Hill is getting covered, he can go to Waddle. 
He can make the use of the he can make use of his other weapons, and I don't think the Steelers have enough to take both down. I'm gonna go with a lower scoring game here, and I think the Dolphins win this 17 to 14. Uh, that's my prediction. Steelers lose 14 to 17 to the Miami Dolphins. Shannon White, uh, let people know what you got coming. Anything relevant to this game? Anything fun and exciting? Uh, and where they can re- where they can what they can expect for you this week. Wow. I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> no, uh, just, uh, uh, formulating an article, but I haven't started it yet. Uh, it'll be, uh, probably Friday before it drops. So, um, uh, just, uh, you know, hoping and, and, uh, looking forward to this game this weekend and, and hope the Steelers can, uh, you know, finally have a little bit of good luck, uh, in, in the far, as far as, uh, catching maybe Miami with two is rusty and, and, uh, they got some guys on, you know, injured on defense and it, it might be a game that will, uh, give us a little bit of a glimpse to a brighter future. So, uh, but no, that's, that's all I got right going on right now. All right. My, uh, vertex coming out with Dave Schofield is on chase Claypool. Uh, very similar to what we did. When, when Kenny Pickett came in, where we did a, uh, an article on George Pickens and showed the difference between what he was able to do with Mitchell Trubisky and then with Kenny Pickett, we saw the reverse of that this week, uh, this past week with Chase Claypool, where he had two targets under Kenny Pickett, and then him and Mitchell Trubisky got it going. Uh, so make sure you check that out, see how that happened and what that tells us about both Chase Claypool and our two quarterbacks. Look for that coming out. Other than that, Make sure you're staying tuned to the Behind the Steel Curtain Network of podcasts. We've got podcasts every day coming out, multiple ones, all very good, all great stuff. Make sure you're checking those out and make sure you're clicking over to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. For Shannon and myself, thank you so much for listening to us. Thank you for your comments in the live chat. We enjoy reading them. We feed off of them. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening, those that are listening on the auditory platforms. And uh, as always, have a great week, and let's go Steelers.